Hello. And welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? I'm Colin Kennedy. I am Jenny Carlson, and we love everything pertaining to the Miyagi-verse. That's right. We love the Karate Kid, Cobra Kai, and all the assorted media. This show is mainly recaps, but we also cover news and information regarding Cobra Kai. And we are very, very close to the second season, so we really got to burn through this first season and get all our recaps out by the by the launch date, which is weeks away at this point. I would say, well, we're not really burning through. I mean, it, it's been a well-paced smolder. We knew that we wanted to space our Cobra Kai reviews up to the debut of the new season, but man, I'm just ready for it to get here. We had a pretty rigorous schedule for this, and the Karate Kid 2 podcast took a little bit longer than I thought it would, so that's on me, but then again, it's not like we're doing this for money, so, you know, at the end of the day, we have to take care of ourselves first and the podcast second, but we do pledge to continue covering all things Cobra Kai and Karate Kid until there are no more things to cover. There will always be more things to cover. There will always be more. Um, today we are covering episode seven of season one of Cobra Kai, All Valley, which I would like to begin by saying this has traditionally been my least favorite episode of Cobra Kai, not because it's badly made, but because of the deep conflicted feelings it gives me. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about that before we start? At this point, I want to say now that Daniel and Johnny have both found their mojo, I don't want to see bad things happen to them. But good drama Mm -hmm. requires challenges, and that's the murky waters into which the remainder of the season is taking us. I don't think I could have said it any better myself. I think that's pretty accurate. So shall we jump in? Let us jump in. Let's begin episode seven of Cobra Kai, All Valley. All Valley. So we open on LaRusso Automotive, and we're in the middle of a wax-on. Because... Robbie is now Daniel's karate disciple. And as a karate disciple, he's entitled to the full Karate Kid treatment, which means that lovely uh, Karate Kid score and a classic Karate Kid montage. And Daniel essentially putting Robbie through his paces at the auto lot. The score is the same music that plays when Daniel and Mr. Miyagi are going to the beach for their training where Daniel learns to kick in the original Karate Kid. Yes. And so, but, you know, rather rather than having Robbie do a lot of household tasks, Daniel is having him doing car dealership tasks, such as squeegeeing windows, jacking up cars, and of course, because this is Daniel's auto dealership, raising the American flag. That's true. Well, I mean, I think that goes for all American auto dealerships. They all have American flags, and usually the bigger the better. But, But yeah, he's definitely putting, like, the Karate Kid spin on this. Like, he wants... Robbie to jack up the cars in a certain way. He wants he Robbie wants to staple the, f- the papers in a certain way. But then they switched from the swing line to the Boston stapler, but I kept my swing line stapler because it didn't bind up as much. Sounds great. Uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Yeah, he, uh, he has a very cryptic way of making Robbie do all this stuff, which is kind of mirrors exactly what Miyagi did to Daniel, where he wanted all his chores done a certain way. It's the nerdiest hazing you can imagine. Complete with, at the end of the montage, Robbie comes up to Daniel, and he's like, I'm all done. Indicating that he's done with the first half of the car lot, and then Daniel, like, you know, kind of cocks an eye at him and is like, Really? Both lots? It's just like Mr. Miyagi telling Daniel, 
or say. Yeah, exactly. And Robbie's like, this is bullshit. I thought you were going to teach me karate. I'm just doing all your shitty chores. Yeah, Robbie's got the attitude and Daniel looks at Amanda knowingly and says, God, I love this part. Cut to evening at the LaRusso Mance where in the dojo, Daniel and Robbie are synthesizing the Miyagi-Do defense based on all the moves Daniel taught an unwitting Robbie. Daniel gives Robbie what's called the Miyagi surprise, which is the understanding that everything Daniel's taught Robbie to do is actually secret karate moves that he just was doing as part of his regular everyday chores. Well, It's so lovely because as they bow to each other, having done that, they, they show that Robbie is standing in front of Daniel's framed gi and Daniel is now standing in front of Mr. Miyagi's picture. The roles have reversed. Mm. And also we see the spark of new light coming into Robbie's eyes where he's moving from being like a villainous Skeet Ulrich to more like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Or maybe that's just the hair. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, we then cut to post credits to the Cobra Kai dojo exactly. where Johnny is synthesizing some moves of his own. Oh my God. He's got all his quiver, his, his group of students. They're all in geese. Mm-hmm. He's going through, making sure they're all in their lines. And he's discovering that none of them or a vast majority of them have not taken a punch before. Because, and that's, what, that's why they flinch. He has a room full of flinchers. He then turns to Aisha, one of his uh, Cobra Kai hands, and requests that she help him unflinch this group, unquote. And so she cracks her knuckles and prepares to punch everybody in the face. So Aisha and Miguel have, uh, have got some punching practice for everyone. Meanwhile, Johnny retreats to his office where, flipping through the latest karate periodicals, <laughs> uh, karate articles, he notices that the All-Valley Under-18 Karate Championship is imminent. This, this scene is perfect. This is, a, this is a quintessential Cobra Kai scene. It synthesizes mm-hmm. so many elements of the show, right? Against the really hilarious com- comic bass beat of Aisha punching people in the other room. You have Miguel coming in to ask Johnny for advice. Johnny looking at the All Valley ad that looks exactly like the poster from 1984. And Miguel is here to ask Johnny for girl advice. Yeah, it's pretty telling the way Miguel kind of regards Johnny in this scene. Telling him all about Sam and even saying, quote, I think you'd really like her. Johnny's main deal is, is she hot? This is a great moment because um, (laughs) Johnny... It's like, why are you nervous? You're a Cobra Kai. All the babes want to date a Cobra Kai. Like Johnny has just time traveled back to when he was the, the big man on campus. And the Cobra Kais were on top. And it's also an interesting moment in which they reveal their character because, you know, Johnny tells Miguel, as a Cobra Kai, you already have all the information you need. Like strike first, strike hard. And, and Johnny's like, never accept defeat, Diaz. There is no no. And in a nod to consent, Miguel goes, Pretty sure no means no. And then we learn kind of where the line is with Johnny Lawrence in terms of babes. Because he says, Yeah, if things are getting physical, no means no. But if you're just asking her out. Johnny would never, you know, voice anything on a woman physically, he thinks. Although we've seen him, you know, kind of like imposingly stand over Allie and the Karate Kid. 
but he thinks that Miguel should persist. You're a Cobra Kai. All the babes want to date a Cobra Kai. He thinks that Miguel needs to be assertive. And this is one of those moments where we see that Cobra Kai has some useful lessons in terms of saying what you want and being brave about it. So even though Johnny is sort of like ridiculous, we also see that he has an ethics to his philosophy. I think you bring up a great point is like Johnny is in many ways back in the in his element he is where he wants to be which is in charge of cobra kai again and <laughs> he has a new he has a new quiver which is very exciting uh i think the you know i i think it's a very i think it's very telling in that conversation like you said is is that you know traditionally you know, I think the no means no conversation is interesting because it, you know, there's there's being persistent and then being overbearing or being harassing, right? Like there's a difference. Being a creep. Yeah. <laughs> and even though the audience knows what that distinction is, and even though Johnny and Miguel know what that distinction is, they still have, like Johnny being this regressed 80s guy... He doesn't have the language to verbalize that distinction. Johnny's language for talking about sex is straight out of an Olivia Newton-John video. Let's get physical, physical. I wanna get physical. Anyhow, also an American sitcom with Jane Seymour. That's, that's neither here nor there. Let's get back to the, the thing at hand. Yes. So yeah, we know that Miguel is going to try to ask Sam out because that's such a fantastic time being lab partners mm-hmm. in the previous episode. Now, moving on to Robbie, who is preparing for his shift at LaRusso Auto, and he's wearing the shirt with his name on it that he got as an apology from Daniel and Amanda um, to acknowledge his hard work. And Trey and Cruz, his former fellow henchman, come in to hit him up, see what he's doing, and ask him for a favor. Yes, and the favor is to rob LaRusso Automotive. <laughs> Not the cars, you see, just the equipment. Just the tools. That's true, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty small potatoes heist. Asking for a favor soon transitions into threatening Robbie if he doesn't help them. Yeah, they mentioned some other former collaborator of theirs who they roughed up or did worse to. Robbie will be in trouble if he doesn't give them what they want. I get the impression these guys may not be his real friends. Really? Man, Mm. he spent so much time with them too. Meanwhile, back at West Valley High... Miguel is speaking of real friends conspicuously not creeping by Sam's locker Uh uh-huh not at all he just happens to be standing there he happens to just as lucky because he's been thinking of her yeah Miguel's like hey I didn't realize this was your locker sure sure Miguel sure Miguel is such a sweet guy and like Sam clearly really likes him and he clearly really likes Sam and he's like I've been thinking about you and I was wondering if maybe we could go out on a date but Aww, Sam, but Sam's not in a Dayton mood right now. After everything that happened with Kyler, she wants to take it easy. The Mike, official party line is Sam's not in a dating mood. Miguel's like, all right. But then he walks away and in his, in his head, he hears the voice of Johnny Lawrence saying, Never, never accept, accept defeat, defeat Diaz. That's right. So he turns around and uses the power of his brain, which is a Miguel specific quality, to say, what if it's not a date? What if we're just hanging out, having fun as friends? Whatever. Well, Sam then acquiesces and admits that, yes, that is definitely not a date. Therefore, my previous argument of not dating is now invalid 
And so therefore, we may now go and hang out as friends. Uh, she even goes so far as to say, Okay, I'll pick you up. To Miguel, which is very nice. Well, she says, pick me up. And he's like, I don't, I don't have a car. And she's like, well, then I'll pick you up. Fair enough. Speaking of sly pickups, we jump over to LaRusso Automotive, where Amanda catches Robbie skulking outside the service entrance door. Robbie and his chin-length bangs are using a smartphone to ostensibly take pictures of a license plate, but in fact, he's using the reverse camera to capture her entering the code. Yes, like a low-rent Jason Bourne, he, he's using his wits. So it appears Robbie has agreed to go along with this uh, he, low-rent heist. Bourne, yeah, he's the Jason Bourne of the Valley. <laughs> Very much so. We jump back over to Cobra Kai, where Hawk continues talking about his rebranding efforts, uh, complete with a now full back tattoo of a hawk with a mohawk. (laughs) So much really witty exposition happening here, because as Hawk is showing us that he's that committed to being Hawk, Miguel is trying to get Aisha to give him tips on where to take Sam, and Aisha's like, we're not friends anymore, setting up that Aisha and Sam still have unfinished business. Meanwhile, in the office, Johnny Lawrence is making a phone call, trying to find out how he can register his dojo for the All-Valley Tournament. Bad news, Johnny. That way lies madness, because we hear Johnny freaking out and then smashing the phone down, because in fact, Cobra Kai is banned for reasons that he does not know. And Miguel, being his number one wingman, runs in to find out what the deal is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a very interesting conversation. This is one of several incidents in this episode where Miguel is kind of coaching Johnny just as much as Johnny has coached Miguel, where Miguel insists that... What happened to uh, never accept defeat? And Johnny's like... That was girl advice. This is different. This is real-life adulting, which Johnny is still not great at yet. Which Miguel is better at than Johnny, if we're being honest. Miguel kind of flips the tables on Johnny, and uh, Johnny has something new to consider. This also leads to the best line in the last half of the series, or one of the best, which is Miguel saying, I'm saying, maybe there's a more delicate approach, Sensei? And Johnny's like, The way the fist is not delicate. Cobras are not delicate. That scene is full of great lines, and that's definitely one of them. Okay, so when I say this isn't my favorite episode, I don't mean at all that it's poorly written. It's an ingenious episode, which is why it gives me such strong feelings. Meanwhile, Meanwhile. back at LaRusso Auto, Daniel goes to check on Robbie because he's working on trimming the bonsai trees that Daniel keeps in the back of the dealership, obviously in a climate-controlled room Mm -hmm. with special lamps. These are the bonsai trees that he gives everyone who buys a car from his company. A lot of bonsai tree talk this episode as uh, Robbie gets some important life coaching from Daniel as well as some uh, hot bonsai tree trimming tips. Bonsai tree. I feel like there's a missed opportunity here. Robbie or, or Daniel should definitely have their own YouTube channel where they're giving us bonsai tree trimming tutorials. Welcome to Mr. Miyagi's Little Trees. Uh, maybe for season three. <laughs> We can see that Daniel has really come a long way if we compare him here to the way he was when Mr. Miyagi had to teach him to trim a bonsai tree. And we see that, like, whereas Daniel took up bonsai tree trimming very earnestly for Mr. Miyagi, Robbie's trying to, like, kind of make a quip about it. He's like, oh, obviously, like, this is some kind of new agey metaphor for my life or something. And Daniel's like, no, you are the tree. Like, you've got a strong root. Like, Daniel's so earnest that Robbie can't say no. Yeah. Robbie's attempts at deflecting or kind of shying away from this emotional engagement with the bonsai tree and imagining what he wants it to be. He can't resist Daniel because Daniel has no guile when it comes to 
investing seriously. It's interesting that this scene and a couple of other scenes in this specific episode have strong callbacks back to Karate Kid 3, arguably the worst of the series. And it's interesting that... It's not the worst of the series. It's just misunderstood, as we'll find out. I know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, we'll have a full episode on that later. Uh, it's very interesting that we're that we're getting so many callbacks to Karate Kid 3 specifically. There's a lot of mythology being pulled down for this one. Also, as Daniel leaves Robbie there to keep working on his trees, Robbie gets a text. Oh, that's right. From his villainous friend saying, see you tonight, meaning that Robbie's still on the hook for helping them mm-hmm. rob LaRusso Auto. Cut to that evening. Miguel and Johnny are at Johnny's house, which is still a bit of a pigsty, giving each other mutually reinforcing pep talks. Miguel is wearing a stylish flannel over a t-shirt mm-hmm. ensemble, and Johnny is wearing a suit that looks like he hasn't put it on since 1984, and it's fantastic. He looks he looks kind of pale, nervous. His hair is gelled in a very unflattering way. In a very 80s way. He's got a briefcase, and Miguel is like, where'd you get that? What's that for? And Johnny's like, it's empty but it just looks good. I think he got it out of a dumpster. And I, I feel like that's a callback to the original Karate Kid because in the commentary track, um, Avildsen and maybe Robert Mark Kamen are talking about Ralph Macchio's empty suitcase. Ralph Macchio's moving to California, but the suitcase he carries in is empty. Oh my God, you're it happens right. to look exactly like the suitcase that Johnny Lawrence found in a dumpster. Oh, that's such a, so, such a good connection. Dear fanfic authors, please write a story of the suitcase. Maybe... The suitcase itself is a pocket dimension responsible for all of this. We don't know. At any rate, we know that Johnny is nervous about his his big intervention at the board meeting for the All-Valley Tournament. And Miguel is super nervous about his date. Johnny has no patience for Miguel's choice of like going to the observatory with Sam and instead wants Miguel to take him where he took all his babes back in the day. Yeah, Miguel has a plan that... He got from Aisha, which is to combine like two of two of Sam's favorite things, astronomy and chocolate. And it's like, well, who doesn't like astronomy and chocolate? But Johnny has a better idea. You're right. And that better idea is the golf and stuff. That's right. So now we cut to the golf and stuff. And the music is playing the same music that played when Daniel was seeking Allie out at the golf and stuff. Uh, yeah. Young hearts. Yeah. <laughs> We get an exact recreation of the same op- of the same like establishing shot from Karate Kid of the golf and stuff. It feels good to be back, quite frankly. It feels so good yeah. to be back at golf and golf stuff. and stuff is quite possibly the real happiest place on earth. If we have a California trip, there's two places that we've got to hit up. One is the new Star Wars theme park, and two is the golf and stuff. They both hold an equal place in my heart, basically. And the Karate Kid mural. And the Karate Kid mural, exactly. Uh, I want to stand where Pat Johnson stands in the mural because I don't want to pick a side. This time it is Miguel and Sam who are honored with the full Karate Kid montage treatment uh, as we see them enjoying themselves at the golf and they stuff. They are into each other. Uh, they are feeling it. Oh, yeah. Uh, they are feeling it, and we, the audience, are feeling it for them. Miguel has such good karma. He's, he's on such a roll that he and Sam have gotten tons of tickets from the skee-ball machine, and they can get a giant plush octopus. They have, they've had their first child. And while they're off cavorting and bonding and obviously falling in love, 
the All Valley Tournament board meeting is underway across town. The All Valley Karate meeting is underway. The board members are bickering among themselves over the minutiae of arranging the tournament when uh, Johnny uh, skulks in, looking very much the dark horse. The committee members tell him that the AA meeting doesn't start until 9. He says he's then there for the meeting, which prompts them to apologize for the corndog incident from last year, uh, to which Johnny delivers one of his best line reads of the entire series, which is, No, I'm sorry about your corndogs. That's not why I'm here. (laughs) The gravity in his voice when he says that is is what really makes that line uh, feel nice. I really like the way that they set the scene because even though I don't necessarily buy that any of these people with apologies to the fantastic actors, it's not nothing about them, but they don't seem like they care about karate. They just care about the event. Um, like, like it's about the mats and it's about, um, you know, what's going to bring more people in this year. It feels like it could be a board meeting for anything. And the genius of that is that all of us have sat in on a meeting like that in some way. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a traditionalist. There, there's like Kurt Yu is George. He's the traditionalist who, who wants the old school red mats. There's Keith Arthur Bolden as Daryl who thinks they need the new blue mats. There's Matt, the, the nice guy who you know, is kind of the, the convener in the middle. Um, I can't remember who Matt Lewis's character's name is, but I will. I think it's Ron. Um, yeah, and so, and, and then there's um, Sue as well who is played by Kara Ann Marie. And she's the one who's like, is this about the corn dogs? Um, it's just so perfect because again, even though like I, I, they, this could be any board meeting. And so as soon as you, as soon as this happening, you're like, Oh my God, who would even elect to go? I think that's definitely intentional on the, on the writing side. Like I feel like this is intentionally designed as a bunch of, people who have probably never done karate like they're either probably they're probably all just karate parents right like they're they're not participants in any in any real sense man you're probably right and that's why they're always so enthused to see daniel because he's like the only one who actually did do karate yeah exactly he's the champ as long as he's on the board they've got no problems suffice it to say Johnny's explaining that he's here because his dojo was banned and he needs to, he wants to see about reinstating. And they're like, what's your dojo? And Daniel walks in and says, Cobra Kai. And we can tell right away that, that Daniel is pissed to see Johnny and he's thrilled to be there to try to stop whatever, whatever malfeasance Johnny is up to. Absolutely. Yeah. Just as it looks as though Johnny might get what he wants, Daniel comes in from the back uh, to, pour cold water all in over johnny's briefcase <laughs> yep we'll have to leave that for the moment however because the most low rent heist in the history of heists is going down across town at Larusso automotive here they come trey and cruz robbie's former associates coming to see about robbing the dealership they're running up there's heist music playing i believe Mm-hmm. they don't they don't know where robbie is but they turn oh there he is Robbie emerges from the shadows to uh, to let his scumbag friends know that there will be no heist tonight, gentlemen, for I, Robbie, have turned over a new leaf. Exactly. I'm now a practitioner of Miyagi-Do. That's right. And, and as Miyagi-Do, I cannot 
tell a lie and I and I'm uh. <laughs> actually all he says is that he can't and he won't and they talk about how they're going to kick his ass believe me I would never do anything to offend a man of your size kick his ass sea bass Robbie has something up the sleeve of his polo shirt which is to say he knows karate so as Trey unloads on Robbie Robbie having synthesized Miyagi-Do is able to defend himself nicely in fact, I dare say that Robbie does much better on his first time out uh, using karate than Miguel did on his first try. That's true. Although we do see that Robbie is going to get his ass kicked a little bit. He takes him by, by surprise and, and himself by surprise, resisting their attacks so well. But it is two against one. So they eventually wear him down to the extent that they could actually do deal some damage. And they kick him to the ground. And in fact, he scrambles... And right when they're closing in to do real harm on him, being being a smart kid that he is, being Johnny Lawrence's son, he knows where all the cameras are. And he points up and shows them there's a security camera, so you can't do anything to me. You're on tape. Why these people didn't think of that in the first place is beyond me. Videotaping this crime spree is the best idea we ever had. This is about the lowest stakes heist that you could possibly have imagined. So the idea that they were even thinking one step ahead is pretty... Uh, outrageous. That is fair. Uh, but now he's going to look like a hero, which is good for him. Meanwhile, back at the golf and stuff, Miguel and Sam are having uh, a heart-to-heart over basketball shooting. Yeah, what's happening here is that Sam is talking about the Lakers tickets that her dad has and that they could go sometime. And it's obvious that Miguel would never have the means to go to a Lakers game himself. And so right there, we've got one of one of two, I would say, significant divides between Miguel and Sam exposed. And are they going to deal with it? That being the, the class divide between them, that Sam, frankly, just has so many more resources than Miguel does. But Miguel is unflappable, like with some light teasing and humor together, they make it clear that this is not going to cause awkwardness for them and we already see how different Miguel is than Daniel was when he was confronted with Allie's wealth back in the karate kid like Daniel was super ashamed and ashamed of his mom's car and all these things and Miguel is it rolls with it because it's obvious that Sam herself isn't pretentious Sam does let her privilege show a little bit here uh, but Miguel is able to take it in stride like a good millennial No, I mean no but seriously it's not just that he's a good millennial it's that Miguel has a self-confidence and partly because of his time in Cobra Kai, but also because that's just Miguel. Like he's got perspective. Meanwhile, back at the all Valley tournament board meeting, I keep looking at the other people in the audience behind Johnny Lawrence thinking, what are they doing there? But they're looking at pictures in the board of the tournament in which John Kreese, Terry Silver and Mike Barnes all ganged up on a young Daniel LaRusso. Wait, Mike Barnes, the bad boy of karate. Representing the Cobra Kai, Challenger, Mike Barnes! And you, you can dream about me. Karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes. The bad boy of karate. This is all from the Karate Kid Part 3. Once again, the Karate Kid Part 3. And I don't know why those pictures just happen to be on hand. Like maybe Daniel just carries them in his briefcase. Like maybe the filing cabinet with all the banned dojo info just happens to be in this strange high school where they're all meeting. 
I definitely think that Daniel probably brought that stuff with him. I think Daniel... Also, it's not a thick file on banned karate dojos. I think it's a file of one, and it's Cobra Kai, and it was for the incident in 1986, I guess. But this is a, this is an actual plot hole that has only now just occurred to me, despite having seen this episode about 25 times. <laughs> Namely, why are those pictures there? They certainly weren't in Johnny's empty briefcase, but what is happening here is they're going over who's in the pictures. And Johnny's like, I don't even know who Mike Barnes and Terry Silver are. You know, these other bad dudes that were in league with John Kreese. And then, you know, John Kreese, John Kreese, uh, Johnny says, is dead. Yes. And in fact, Ron on the board goes, sorry for your loss, which actually sounds ridiculous. And Daniel freaks out. And Daniel looks like a jerk because Daniel's the only one who remembers how horrible John Kreese was. And how horrible Terry Silver and Mike Barnes were. I mean, Johnny has a great point. Like, he was not there for the events of Karate Kid 3. He has no idea who Terry Silver and Mike Barnes were. Uh, So PolitiFact equals true on that one. Uh, However, uh, Johnny says that John Kreese is dead, which, for all anyone knows, is probably true. Uh, But, I mean, it's weird because in Karate Kid 3, Kreese faked his death and then revealed it to Daniel. So I guess in the intervening time, Kreese died again at some point. You know, the thing about this is that the board come at this with all these different personalities. And we have Johnny Lawrence, who knows nothing of these perps that got his dojo banned. Mm -hmm. And Daniel LaRusso, who's having an extreme reaction because of what Cobra Kai stood for. And at this moment, it really kind of rises and falls on how each man acts in order to persuade the rest of the board who will vote on whether to reinstate Cobra Kai. And Johnny wants to punch Daniel when Daniel's ranting and raving, understandably, from our perspective, those of us who've seen the Karate Kid movies, about how bad Cobra Kai is. But following Miguel's advice, Johnny keeps his temper in check. Like, he clutches his fist. It's like Mr. Rogers used to say. It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong. I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish, can stop, 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 anytime. Johnny does his best with his rage. Daniel loses it, he has an apoplectic fit. You know, then Johnny stands up and makes a statement and defends his dojo, defends what he's experienced with his students. And he, you know, starts to refer to his students as losers and he's like, no, but they're different. (laughs) Like he catches himself and he means it. And that emotional honesty, which for Johnny, I think, is a relatively new thing, is what ultimately makes him seem sympathetic in the eyes of some of the board members. And then Johnny leaves the room because they're going to vote on whether to reinstate Cobra Kai. And, and we know that Daniel's going to try to convince everyone. But in the when push came to shove, Johnny kept his cool. Now, I think Johnny's point that today's Cobra Kai has nothing to do with the Cobra Kai of the 80s is a point well taken. Like, he is clearly making the case that he's turned over a new leaf. The new Cobra Kai is the only connection is the name and maybe himself. Uh, But the students are not to blame for the infamous Mike Barnes incident. And so, yeah, I think the the committee and his earnestness is definitely going to be points in Johnny's favor uh, going forward. So here we are back at golf and stuff. We have Miguel and Sam sitting on a bench with their big plush octopus that they won with all of their tickets from the arcade. Mm-hmm. They're eating a snack and talking. And this is interesting because like, she makes a joke referring to the octopus as Senor Octopus and Miguel jokes back. 
Okay, I didn't realize the octopus was Hispanic. Now he's again like showing that their racial differences are also, you know, he's aware of it. They're aware of it, but they can laugh about it. They can sort of negotiate it together. These things he doesn't have a deeply deep seated frustration about, whereas Daniel kind of did in terms of his class issues with Allie. And they're hanging out. They're having a good time talking. And she asks him if he's as bad at karate as he is at mini golf. And he gets up to give her a lesson. Miguel and Sam share a romantic karate lesson together. Miguel briefly tries to karate-splain to Sam how to uh, position herself. This move is really hard, so if you don't get it on the first time, don't feel bad. But Sam (laughs) flips him to the ground. Holy shit, Sam, that was amazing. What are you... Sensei Sam. Where she essentially has him at her mercy. You know, this may be the best date I've ever been on. And she refers to it as a date. And she kisses Miguel. And yes, and she kisses Miguel. Johnny had insisted that Miguel kiss the girl. That's right. Much like Sebastian the Crab, Johnny wanted Miguel to kiss the girl, but it was the girl who kissed him. That's right. The boy too shy. So back at the All Valley board meeting, Johnny is waiting outside, waiting to see if his dojo will be reborn. And all we see is that Daniel storms out and says, congratulations. And Johnny looks pretty pleased. So we know that Daniel lost the vote. Cobra Kai will be reinstated and will be able to compete at the All-Valley Tournament. Congratulations, Johnny. It's a dojo. (laughs) You're you're the father of a new baby dojo. (laughs) Exactly. So yes, Johnny high on his newfound legitimacy and Miguel high on his newfound romantic relationship with Sam, both meet back at the Cobra Kai Dojo, where they kick back and celebrate over a quick bout of underage drinking, a rich Karate Kid universe tradition. Like, they're both running in saying, who's the man? I'm the man. Are you the man? And they're very stoked. Both of them, Johnny wants Miguel to drink, I think it's wine, in order to, as Johnny says, drink it or put hair on your balls. Miguel, you know, just wants a root beer. I think he offers Johnny his traditional banquet. We just saw him finish drinking, so uh, fair enough that he might be ready to jump right into the next one. But Johnny's like, no, this is special. This is time for a celebration. So I think he gets some, like, you know, whiskey or, you know, something like that, something with a little bit of more of a kick to it uh, to celebrate. To be fair, he just pours a little sip in there for Miguel. It's it's the kind of uh, underage drinking we let kids do at, like, weddings or, or things like that, where it's like, okay, just a tiny sip. We do? Uh, excuse me, I maybe we'll have to cut that too. <laughs> this is such a heartwarming scene because, you know, Miguel and Johnny hug and they have a toast together. They're the king of the world. With apologies to Leonardo DiCaprio, they are, in fact, the king of the world. And, you know, they're going to the tournament. Cobra Kai's back, baby! And all the while that they're celebrating, though, and they're genuinely excited and their commitment has paid off, I'm not sure if they understand what aspect of their commitment paid off. In both cases, both of them came to their challenges with emotional honesty and were like present and respectful and open. And I think that, as much as their stubbornness to show up in the first place, is what brought them success. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if they're going to remember that going forward. It's a case of both characters struggling, both characters making themselves vulnerable, both characters getting what they want, 
And now that they have it, what are they going to do with it? That's the critical thing, right? And, you know, either way, we leave our two heroes there celebrating together. I feel kind of like I'm in a, a John Hughes movie, the way that with the music playing as they fade out there. All is right with the world, or is it? And that is episode seven, All Valley. And there you go. So, uh, yeah, so that's the episode. And Jenny. Yeah. What up? What do you think about this episode? So I think this episode is great because we see that there are these payoffs for all of our characters, but the characters may not have the emotional IQ or the perspective yet to understand how to roll with those payoffs. Like sometimes getting what you want can be more of a challenge for you than getting what you don't want. And I think that this is great writing, great acting, and it's also still funny as hell, which is something that this team of writers does so well. The mixing of comedy and drama is just fantastic. So I give this episode a very strong rating, even though it does things to my heart. What about you? Uh, what about me? I think that, yeah, this episode is an interesting one in that it, I agree, it does an, a great job of balancing the sense of humor that the series tries to deal in, but also delivering some really solid character moments, some really earnest moments. Uh, some really good performances. I mean, even even small stuff. Even even Amanda's little smirks as she's watching Daniel train Robbie. Like even that stuff. Like you know, that's that's what really satisfies when you're rewatching uh, a binging series like this and rewatching it over and over again. Is you get a chance to go look in the background and see like see who's who's reacting, who's putting in the extra work. Uh, and I think that's all really gratifying. You know, we get uh, a lot of groundwork. Johnny and Miguel particularly cover a lot of ground in this episode. They're both playing off each other wonderfully. Like, their characters are teaching uh, each other pretty equally. Johnny is teaching Miguel to be tough. Miguel's teaching Johnny to be earnest and sensitive. And I think this is this is the balance of that exchange here this is the episode where that that balance is right in the middle and i and it feels very satisfying when that happens but it's not just about johnny and miguel it's also about daniel and robbie and that is really interesting to see i mean number one daniel is so he's such a dad like he is so dad he's so daddish as he's teaching Robbie all these, this stuff and his dorky glee at Robbie's frustration and, and all of it. Like you can see that Daniel is really relishing getting to live the mentor student relationship from the mentor side and, and seeing the perspective that Mr. Miyagi had. And like, it's cheesy as hell, but we give it to him because he's Daniel LaRusso and that makes perfect sense. Even though it's ridiculous to watch him make even a stapler a cause to do karate, mm-hmm. um, I, one review said is it's possible. I, I can't remember who wrote this, but you know, it was months ago. But it's possible that they put Daniel in a car dealership just because of these opportunities to do karate. And the other thing is Robbie, who is so reminiscent of Johnny. Right. And this we we begin to understand that Robbie and Daniel's story is what would have happened if Johnny Lawrence had done Miyagi-Do the whole time, Mm. if the roles had been reversed. And so we see it with with Robbie 
you know, as I said, transforming from kind of a villainous kid to an inquisitive and attentive kid. And we see also that, that Robbie doesn't yet know what he's doing. You know, the question of his dad is somewhere over here. He hasn't thought about that this time really, but like he knows that he's not going to betray Daniel because Daniel has shown up for him. And that's really powerful. And that's something that I certainly didn't see coming when we were first introduced to Robbie at the beginning of this season. And it's interesting too, to think about women in this episode, like Johnny's philosophy of babes. Mm -hmm. Johnny has a different perspective on women than Miguel does. It's not just that Johnny's old fashioned. Johnny's kind of a chauvinist. Like he's a, he's a chauvinist who I think we're going to see can learn, Yeah, but he still has this like idea that like babes love Cobra Kai is like his swagger interrupts his ability to see women as people. I think if they're at all in, in a romantic or sexual relationship with someone like Miguel. And so at this point, Johnny doesn't know who Miguel is dating. He just needs to know that she's hot. Right. And why would any woman possibly reject a Cobra Kai? Right. And, and meanwhile, Miguel, you know, who wants a father figure from Johnny, he just wants approval of this girl that he's managed to to impress. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Miguel's ever had a girlfriend before. So, you know, Johnny obviously has been around the block a few times. Miguel just needs advice. Johnny looks like he can give it because Johnny is such a powerful dude, right? Like, even though Johnny doesn't have all the answers, mm-hmm. he clearly has this presence and he and he's shown up for Miguel in other ways. So it makes perfect sense that Miguel would go to Johnny. But it's interesting because Johnny teaches Miguel persistence. But again, Miguel's emotional honesty, like his acceptance, his ability to roll with stuff, that's much more just what Miguel brings to the situation. Absolutely. And that's what Sam responds to. Yeah. And now that we know that Sam is a badass at karate, which Daniel has foreshadowed, right, that she can do kicks and she and she knows things. We've seen that. And it's not just that she knows it or that she she practices. So she's good at it. And she could drop Miguel, who's Johnny's best student. So, like, where's that going to go? And how will it play out once Miguel's training for the tournament? That's, I guess, what we'll find out next time. We will find out that uh, next time. Um, so I think it's... I think we should probably wrap things up here. Um, Do we have anything else before we move on to the next episode? I just want to say congratulations to the showrunners for finding so many ingenious ways to weave in references to the more ridiculous elements of the Miyagi-verse. You know, from from references to Uncle Louie and his idiotic son, also named Louie, to the pictures from the tournament to even even Amanda's shout out to Mr. Miyagi's Little Trees, the ill-fated bonsai tree store. Mm-hmm. Like, they've done an excellent job using that humorous bent of the show to make those ridiculous elements make sense. Um, an amazing tribute to an amazingly silly movie. I hope somewhere in fictional character heaven, Terry Silver is looking down on us and snorting cocaine lines in glee. Excellent. That is perfect. <laughs> But anyway, uh, on that note, uh, we should probably wrap things up here. So we will be back with you next time with Cobra Kai Episode 8, Molting. Molting. Until then, I'm Colin Kennedy. I'm Jenny Carlson, and we will see you around the Miyagi-verse. See you around the Miyagi-verse. This podcast has been produced and hosted by Colin Kennedy and Jenny Carlson. Our music is by Chepo. You can find us online at areyoukaratekiddingme.com and wherever you download podcasts.